What up? We are back again today in the studio, and it is time to get the ball rolling. What up? We are back again today in the studio. Happy to be with you on a beautiful Monday. Glad to be back in studio talking about the last week's games. We're, of course, going to be diving into that, uh, the two games that were played. And then we were we will be talking uh, some other interesting things that I've actually you know had the opportunity to come across. Some, uh, as always, I'm always happy to be uh, with you guys. And uh, as we roll towards Frisco, should be a ton of fun and I cannot wait until we are there in Frisco on uh, January 8th. It should be a super fun time. So uh, this this podcast is going to be a little bit different because we only had two games. There's not as much to go through, not as much to analyze. And so uh uh, from time to time, I get asked a couple questions or I'm on a run and I'm like, man, I really wish one of our listeners would make this point so I can talk about it. And so uh, two of these questions are are from, from listeners. And thank you guys uh, for submitting these through the DMs on Twitter. Uh, if you follow me, uh, I will obviously read those and I'll talk about it, give you guys a, a shout out on the podcast. So we're going to go through these questions. One of them was from my own head uh, as I was contemplating on a run the other day last Saturday uh, before the South Dakota State game, Montana State game, uh, as I, you know, as I was contemplating that, excited uh, to be talking about that. So uh, as we as we start off this, we'll be doing those questions. We're going to jump into the reactions of the game, uh, the Friday night ga- game where uh, NDSU was able to pull off the victory uh, over James Madison 20-14. to which are, yeah, 14. Was it 14? Yes. <laughs> 20 to 14, uh, and it was a phenomenal game. Happy to be talking about that. And then, uh, of course, the Saturday game where Montana State beat the Jackrabbits of SDSU. So let's jump into it. So the first question that we have submitted was, do you think that the FCS should implement a bowl game style along with the playoffs? Now, as I was running the other day, I said, that is a phenomenal question. I don't know if anyone's uh, thought about it. Now, we do have the Celebration Bowl, which is the winner of the MIAC, plays the winner of the SWAC. And uh, we saw that South Carolina State was able to beat Jackson State. And I'm going to be excited to be covering them a little bit more. And I think that uh, personally, they should have an automatic bid into the playoffs. But that's just my own personal preference. I think we, you know, if there's a little bit more expansion uh, to the HBCUs, that would be great. Uh, even though we saw Florida, Florida A&M get beat pretty bad by Southeast Louisiana this year, I'm still all for it because we still have the Pioneer and the Patriot League and, uh, you know, everyone, SoCon, Southland, WAC, everyone gets in a bid. And so am I for it? Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm for that. But as far as the bowl games, um, there were a lot of teams this year that did not end up going, really good teams that didn't get, end up going to the playoffs and their season was over. 
Teams like Mercer, Chattanooga, Weaver State, Monmouth, Rhode Island, William and Mary, Bryant, uh, even teams that that lost, uh, you know, like Bryant or Fordham, who had lost the head-to-head against the conference champion, uh, Moorhead State, San Diego, VMI, Prairie View, A and M, uh, even NC Central. Personally, I'm all for more college football. Uh, I don't, I don't always think that uh, it's the best that we only, you know, we have a set number. I think that uh, having the guys or the players be able to play for something else besides the playoffs would be kind of fun. and we'd be able to see more crossovers. A lot of teams in the FCS kind of stick to their side of the country. Uh, for example, Weber State played the University of Utah this year. Uh, obviously, it was a payout game. They got paid to go and play uh, the U in uh, Salt Lake, and it was great. And, you know, the FCS, they really thrive on that. We saw, um, I believe, Idaho went all the way to Indiana this year to get payoffs and, and, and to get paid to play these big teams. I know SUU a few years ago went up to Eugene and played Oregon. And so FCS programs do survive playing these FBS uh, programs, uh, but then it makes it difficult. Like like uh, Weaver State, who they, they, were, they were tough. They played at JMU. Now JMU traveled across the country and they ended up losing to them. They play in a difficult division and now they kind of get ousted, even though I think they were probably one of the top, you know, 25 teams in my opinion, uh, but they get ousted. They're on. They're left on the outside because of the automatic bids, along with the at-large bids, and usually the Missouri Valley. The top teams kind of beat each other up, so they all look really, really good as they're heading into the playoff. And so it feels like they get a lot more in. Now the Big Sky does too, but and I believe they got in five this year. So it's kind of hard to complain when you're the sixth team, but. I can understand it, especially when you don't play every single person in in your in your conference. Uh, maybe you need to divide it up between the WAC and the Big Sky. Maybe that's a, an alternative method. But I would like to see it. I would love to see a Monmouth Weaver State game uh, played at, at a home site. Uh, it would be it'd be awesome. I mean, it wouldn't be. Uh, you know, get a couple of sponsors. We're in the t- we're in the the era of NIL where these kids are getting getting paid. We're getting sponsored to represent these brands. I think it would be an opportunity for that. I see a lot of guys doing amazing things with NIL right now. So do I think there should be a bowl game? Yes. Uh, and then you're going to say, well, doesn't it, wouldn't it be meaningless? This whole uh, you know, thought that the bowl games are meaningless compared to the, the main games. I still tune in to watch them. I think college football fans do. The FCS community, I think, as a whole does very well, uh, does a very good job at supporting. And I think that would it would just be more football. I'm for it. I would love to have this bowl game style for the teams that don't make it. We still have, uh, you know, we have the NCAA tournament. Uh, what is it? 68 teams get in and and we still have the NIT that is a separate bracket. Now we have a couple of uh, these other pop-ups to give these teams. Uh, I know, that, for example, uh, SUU, I believe they lost to Montana State last year in the Big Sky uh, Championship, even though they won the Big Sky outright, and uh, they ended up playing in a tournament like that. Uh, maybe not another playoff. It would be fun to have another playoff. Uh, that would be another alternative. But I think there should be more football. I think if you're above 500, uh, you should get in. It should vary between year to year. Like I said, a lot of these uh, smaller schools and, and smaller places have amazing community support like uh, you know, like Cedar City, Utah, like Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, these super teeny towns that have major support for their team, I think it would be amazing to see it. And could you imagine if, if a Montana or a Montana State didn't get in? The amount of people that would travel to go see Montana 
Montana play an extra game. I think it'd be fun, and I think they should do it. Uh, another answer. Do you think the FCS semi should be played at a neutral site? Well, that's an interesting question because the JMU, I personally felt that the home field advantage in that JMU NDSU was the was the key ingredient for the win against NDSU. And you're going to say, well, Tyler, what are you talking about? I thought that, you know, good gameplay and stuff. Well, JMU was surging in the second half. And I personally think that had the quarterback not taken those sacks or didn't get flustered or I believe communication is more difficult in the Fargo Dome, uh, that, you know, you're able to you're able to operate at a different pace. The NDSU fans travel. They're going to travel no matter what, and they're going to be loud no matter what for their bison. Uh, but I think it would it would be entertaining to see it on a neutral site, but no. I think one of the best things about the FCS semifinals uh, and, and throughout the entire competition is that it is, outside of the national championship, played at the home sites. It gets the fans involved from those cities. It gets the uh, the student body involved. I mean, the amount of students that were there at NDSU when, you know, semester's over, stick around a little bit more, keep kids on campus. I'm all for that. College is a unique once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I think you should be able to make the most of it. And then also, you look at the, the other college football playoffs in the FBS. Now, they do sell out. Uh, they're always sell out crowds, but a lot of it is corporate and for corporate sponsorships and they're getting people in and it's kind of a big business meeting. If you see a lot of people, uh, of course, they're there cheering on their team, but I think it's an opportunity for businesses to spend money on that. It would be, it, I think it would be interesting to see the big house, uh, you know, uh, host a, a, na- a national championship game or Tuscaloosa host a, or a, sorry a national semifinal I think it'd be really fun to see it or Happy Valley up in Penn State the swamp with Florida uh, I think it'd be a really electric atmosphere obviously I think you should you should have a section for your fans uh, to support and stuff I think it'd be uh, even better and the final question and this is one of my questions that I was thinking about, is what are your thoughts on the transfer portal and the ramifications on the FCS? Right now, it is it is every man for himself. Number one, we have the COVID year that we're getting back. Uh, even myself as a collegiate athlete, technically I have one more year of eligibility. I don't think I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been running for, I haven't been in competition for, uh, well, on a team in over a year since last fall semester when I graduated. And I haven't actually performed because of COVID since the year before in my junior season. So we're getting a lot of people where they have one year of eligibility and they're transferring. It is going to, it is making it absolutely insane. Uh, the transfer portal has opened up. I'm all for it because you know what? If coaches can up and leave, we saw like Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly do that. And they were the guy that got you to go to that school. Why would you have to sit out for, to play collegiate uh, football elsewhere? Uh, we are in the, the, the year of NI or the, the, the era of NIL, which uh, I personally think there needs to be a college oversight board. Just, I, you know, when anytime there's money involved, now the, you know, they say, I keep on hearing people say, well, the corruption is legal now. This was always happening. And that might be true. Uh, we obviously see, you know, SMU got slammed, USC got slammed, all these kinds of things. You know, we, we see different examples of it. Uh, now it's legal. I think there should be an oversight board just to make sure everything is, is you know, up to code, up to par, whatever you want to say. Uh, but anyway, I think that uh, the transfer portal is going to make it really unique. Essentially, you've got a recruit out of, you know, your guys coming out of college uh, or going into college, sorry, you're from high school, and you also have this transfer portal. I mean, you could essentially rebuild a team in, in less than one year. If you get a couple of big-time transfers, you have a couple of, uh, you know, 
three, four star recruits come, uh, I think you could really do it and you can complete, completely flip uh, your program around. I think it makes it very, very intriguing. I love the transfer portal. I love the new era that we're in and I think it makes it more entertaining and I think it's going to give teams that you wouldn't think like, hey, maybe they just got this one motivator and can really get going. Uh, it, it gives them a little bit of opportunity instead of these, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten year rebuilds just to try to get the right guy in the right places and you got to let the you know the old guard move out from from the previous people to then put in your guys and i mean you look at it uh, just that you know take it for example and i know this is an fcs but michigan uh rich rod i mean brady hoke had to wait till rich rod's kids were out and even then it was hard to put his kids in the style he wanted to play with rich rod's kids and then jim harbaugh had that same kind of theme where it was like i had to get these these hoke kids out i've got to install my offense and look at what they were able to accomplish this year Really interesting. I love it, and I think uh, this is all good for the sport. So those are just a couple of the questions that were submitted. One of the ones that I've been thinking about, can't wait to see. Uh, I mean, we see, I believe Cameron Ward from UIW is in the transfer portal. I hope he stays in the FCS and doesn't move to the FBS. He definitely has FBS talent. Uh, he's a really good guy, but uh, it'd be, you know, I'm very interested to see where he goes. And I think there's a lot of different things that can happen. And also the FCS being a little bit more local, you think of, uh, you know, an, an Ogden kid being able to transfer to Weber State if you went and played at the U for a couple years and then go back in Ogden. It would be really interesting and really fun to, to see that if you, if you, you know, if you can and, and everything is good. So anyway, these are those answers. Now let's be, now uh, we're going to be moving on to the games, NDSU, GMU, and Montana State against South Dakota State, and then a preview of the national championship game. Honestly, the NDSU game went uh, fairly to to what I thought. I thought that JMU would pull up the uh, pull out the upset. Uh, I said twenty one to seventeen. I thought that JMU would jump out on them with their prolific offense, and uh, JMU would come, or sorry, NDSU would come storming back, and it would come down to a player two that would separate it. I personally thought with JMU, they're playing for a little bit more. Uh, you know, last year as an FCS before they ramp up to where they're ineligible for the playoff with the scholarship stuff. Uh, you know it, and and honestly, uh, JMU had every chance. I believe there was three times where they legit could have scored, and they walked away with no points, or they took a sack that uh, put them out of field goal range. Uh, and I and I honestly, I attribute that, and I said it before and earlier in the podcast, is the NDSU fans. I think it flustered. I don't think you can prepare if you've never been in that kind of an environment uh, with people bearing down on you indoors with the bison faithful unless you've played in that environment before it's something unlike uh anything else uh even i've never had the opportunity to go out to fargo i want to definitely on a bucket list uh but i have been at at weaver state i've been in the holt uh arena up in pocatello uh i've seen the montana fans the way they travel uh, and I've seen these things, and when those fans get going, I can only imagine uh, what it would be like, you know, in in those stadiums. So yes, uh, it definitely was the advantage, and I think the defense played well. Uh, I thought NDSU came out with a little bit of trickeration. I thought JMU prepared well for the run, uh, but they didn't prepare well for the pass. Uh, they were getting number forty-four out in in space, where uh, they kind of where JMU didn't 
I don't think they really prepared for that. They prepared for him to be more of the bruiser, the fullback. And so that's kind of my thoughts. I think NDSU played well, uh, and they made the plays when it counted. So congratulations to the Bison and their next trip to the national championship game. The next game was Montana State against SDSU, and I thought that it was it went exactly the way that I thought. Uh, it was going to be quick. It was going to be high scoring in the first half, and then I thought it would kind of peter off the way it did. Now, uh, I said that it would be 31-28 to 28 with for South Dakota State, and I said the, again, it's going to come down to a couple of plays. Now, Montana State actually made the plays, and again, I thought home field advantage played a big difference, a big factor in this, and the, the ease at which uh, what Montana State was scoring, I felt, put pressure on the Jackrabbits, where if they weren't perfect on every every drive, they would be falling behind. Um, I thought that Montana State's defense was a big key, uh, forcing turnovers. I don't believe the offense had any turnovers, and so that was good. And, I mean, the Jackrabbits, uh, I said, can they hold this run going, traveling you know, the amount that they have traveled? to Sacramento, back to Pennsylvania, uh, to Montana. Now, Montana is not super, Bozeman is not super far from uh, from Brookings, right, from South Dakota, but it was they were still on the road, and I think that plays a big factor into it. Uh, I also thought that uh, the book would kind of be out on how to stop Tommy Mallott with two uh, games under his belt. You would be able to see it, but it just felt like in the, the, the week that they were able to getting back from Pennsylvania the film that they were able to diagnose didn't wasn't sufficient to stop him uh, he was obviously amazing and uh, has a really bright future at Montana State so uh, those were the games obviously I was wrong uh, I did take the spread where I believe uh, North Dakota State when I was looking at the 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 line it went to four uh, for North Dakota State and on the South Dakota State, it closed out at four and a half uh, in favor of the Jackrabbits, which I would have flipped because I said that they would only win by four. I would have said Montana State plus four and a half if I was betting. Uh, I was unable to. So, I mean, as far as the betting lines, yes, on the money line, I took different people, but uh, that's just the way it goes. If you want to, if you want to bet, if you're really into betting, and where, like I said, where the lines hadn't came out by the time the last podcast was. Uh, then you definitely have to take, uh, I mean, just ugly home, uh, ugly, you know, road dogs and uh, stuff like that if you want to make money, kind of a, a go big or go home kind of thing. So now let's prep for Frisco. Uh, you know, obviously Montana State coming in, uh, they're feeling super, super stoked. Uh, you know, Tommy Mallott is playing out of his mind. Uh, all these kind of stories are coming out about him, and I believe that the uh, I believe that as as I sit here right now, he they made the right choice. I I don't remember if uh, the quarterback if they had actually made the call to to start Tommy uh, against UT Martin over uh, their previous quarterback, which was, let me, I had his name written down right here, uh, McKay, Matthews McKay. Uh, I don't know if they had made that, if they had made that, uh, 
that call. Maybe that's why he entered the transfer portal. But they're on a an absolute tear since the brawl of the wild. Uh, their only losses at Wyoming and at Montana uh, in Missoula. They did. They do have those two losses. But they have beat a really good, sound UT Martin team. Uh, they beat up on the defending national champions, uh, Sam Houston Bearcats, and then they just beat a really good uh, South Dakota State team. And they're looking to play North Dakota State now. Uh, as far as it goes, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to be cheering for the Big Sky and cheering for Montana State. I think what they've been able to do, uh, they have definitely surpassed my expectations. I always thought they were good. A couple years ago, uh, you know, prior to COVID and stuff, they had actually played really well. They went to the Fargo Dome loss in the semis. It was the year that uh, JMU uh, beat Weaver State to go to Frisco. We had two big sky teams in and it ended up being JMU against NDSU uh, a couple years ago. And I was like, man, they had such a great year. Then to not play in the spring, I actually thought I thought that both Montana and Montana State could take a step back. Not having the live reps, even if it was just six games, uh, at least you, you know, or, or three games. Some people played, you know, one or two two games at least you had those reps uh these teams didn't even you know skip a beat they came out they're firing both teams playing well now montana state has been able to make it to the national championship uh they said on the broadcast it was the first time they've been back since 1984 which is great news if you are a bobcats fan and honestly they've played phenomenal again they played well against uh big time opponents i mean even the lo- the loss to wyoming was just by three points and ever since they made this this uh, change at quarterback they've definitely put up a lot more points uh, they have been absolutely humming on the offensive side of the ball and their defense I believe is what separates them uh, against everyone else uh, no nothing against uh, Matthews McKay but he uh, you know obviously Tommy Malott has kind of surpassed uh, you know everybody's expectations now the one thing that worries me, about this game and this is going to be I believe kind of the the X factor there's there's a couple of things uh, for Montana State to win I'm going to map that out because I believe on the betting line that I saw they, they announced I think North Dakota State had had opened as uh, five and a half point favorites oh and the line has already moved all the way up to oh I'm sorry uh, at Caesar Sportsbook it opened at nine I thought on BetMGM it might have been a little bit lower it's now been bit down to eight and a half so uh i'm obviously going to take montana state on that we'll get into the betting a little bit oh uh, a little bit later but I think here is what you have to do if you're Montana State. Uh, the the playbook is out to beat North Dakota State. You, I believe, you have to start fast. You got to get up on them early, and I think that this Montana State team can do it. They score. They can score with ease. And uh, Tommy Mallott is that X factor. He can tear you up with his legs as well as his arm. We, he, I mean, he took a couple. I believe there was two, you know, huge gains through the air that he was able to do it. This team can score. So if I was Montana State and I was a, you know, a fan, I'm going to be cheering for him. Uh, for them. I mean, obviously, I want to be cheering for North Dakota State. I'm cheering for a good game, but just to see a little bit more of a mix-up, right? Um, I think that as Montana State, you want to see them score, have a big defensive stop, and then score again. That would be ideal. Uh, Number two, the other thing that worries me about this game is now they have three games of film. 
to to see what Tommy Malat is all about. He's a freshman uh, from Butte, Montana. They said it. They said it a few times on the the broadcast. He's a freshman from Butte, Montana, and uh, that's awesome. But uh, you know. There's three games now out on him. Obviously, with UT Martin, they didn't know how to prepare. They ran the ball a lot against him. Uh, you know, on the ground, they've been able. They were able to, to implement a lot of RPOs. And UT Martin came off what was arguably the biggest win of program history. So you kind of chalk it up. Okay, we'll kind of dismiss that one. And then they go on the road. They play Sam Houston, and I think Sam Houston, number one, I think they kind of took him like, hey, they're in the AC. We're the one seat. They're just going to kind of roll over. But Tommy Malott showed off his versatility with his arm. Personally, in that game, he was able, I believe he caught, he threw two passes, ran for two, and then caught one, or it was some crazy stat. So they showed that he can throw the ball as well. Then in this last game, it kind of was a double tandem. He ran it, he threw it, he was all over the place. I think they said that he wasn't accounted for any everything but 35 yards. So now you have three games of film which is the most, and you look at it from uh, every single time, they've only had about six days to prepare for that. UT Martin had time to prepare for Montana State, but not for Tommy Mallott. Sam Houston only had one game to prepare, or one week to prepare, and one game film to go off of. South Dakota State, after all the travel, had probably, you know, six days to prepare uh, and two game films. Now, with North Dakota State, they have an additional three weeks to prepare for him along with, uh, you know, three games of film. NDSU has a phenomenal defense. They're top five every single year. I think this year they're sitting at number three. So do I think that they'll be able to get ready for Tommy Mallott? Yes. Do I think they're going to show things that Tommy has never seen at this stage, yes. Obviously, in high school, he's going to have, have seen some certain things. But I think NDSU is going to be able to disguise some of the coverages. And it makes it very difficult on new quarterbacks to go up against North Dakota State. And a defense like that uh, in a high-pressure national championship, I would be that would be the one thing that worries me. Is that you do have a little bit more film. And you have the three extra weeks. Now it is the holidays, but defensive coordinators, uh, I feel like uh, offenses always adapt easier first. Uh, you look at the Wildcat offense. Nobody knew how to defend it. Now hardly anybody runs it. Uh, it's just kind of a little gadget play, little something just to pick up a couple yards. But for a while in the early you know 2010s, uh, it was a big package. Uh, the spread and 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 uh, you know organs up. Pace, you know, we're going to snap the ball every 11 seconds uh, was really revolutionary. Now, everyone kind of runs the spread, so everyone kind of knows. So once when you give defensive coordinators time to diagnose and to really break down that film, I think that that's when you see offensive sputter uh, playmakers then have to hit that next level. Uh, The great sign of a great quarterback and a great offense is, you know, if they know you're going to, they know they have the perfect defense dialed up coverage or blitz, whatever it is, but you are still able to make the play regardless of what the defense does. That's what sets the good players apart from the great players. I think Tommy Mallott, this is going to be a big time test for him, not only going up against NDSU uh, and the defense, but also playing in the national championship kind of brings, you know, other expectations of that. So that's that. 
And then finally, uh, so that's kind of, you know, uh, 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 not a negative, but something I'd be a little worried about. And then finally, uh, the the other matchup that I am most intrigued, the, probably uh, the most underrated matchup, is uh, Hunter Lubke from North Dakota State. They have a fullback. He also has amazing, you know, hands. He's able to receive. He's able to pick up these, you know, nasty four, five-yard runs. Him versus... Versus Troy Anderson, I think, is going to be another key matchup. And you're going to say, Troy Anderson, yes, he was all over the field. He's all over the field in that South Dakota State game number, I believe his name his number is number 15 on the defense. He is fast. He's versatile. I believe he, he even played on the offensive side of the ball. Played, I believe he played quarterback a couple years ago. Uh, he knows he can think like a quarterback and he can attack and tackle as a linebacker and so what i felt is that they were able to get 44 uh hunter lubke this this fullback they're able to pull him out of the backfield which makes a a a one-on-one worth with a linebacker and he was able to outrun the linebackers out physical the linebackers because you know most teams don't have a fullback however Troy Anderson, I think, is going to be on him. I think it's going to be a, a phenomenal matchup. If Troy is able to plug the holes and then to also get out in coverage like he is very, very good and very capable at, I think you can shut that style uh, or you can shut that kind of down on North Dakota State. I think that both defenses are phenomenal. I think that both were looking at a defensive game uh i think that the offenses are going to it's going to be ugly uh you know three four yards at a time and uh, i think there's going to be a couple you know they might pull out one or two big kind of chunk plays but that is what i'm looking at as far as this matchup goes now as far as my predictions for this game so that's kind of the keys or stuff to watch for as far as my predictions if the line is opening up at nine i think that is much too high I think it's going to be closer than that. I would even say a three-point game. That's where I would imagine it landing. Now, uh, I like I said, I think I'm going to be cheering for Montana State. Big Sky, born in Utah, uh, been been in and out of the, the Big Sky Conference championships. We traveled to go and see it. We like, you know, my family loves the Big Sky. Obviously, you know, alum, alumnus of, uh, my dad's an alumnus of Weber State. Uh, mom went to Weber State. You know, family, everyone goes there. And so, do I want to see them win? Do I want to see them have success? Of course I do. And obviously, to give, you know, the SCS a little bit of parody as well, uh, where North to say I believe is perfect like eight for eight as far as national championship goes it would be good to see them lose as well for as far as the parity factor and having a big sky uh, winner but uh, all of that said I don't know if uh, it will happen and I think that the extra three weeks of defensive prep for Tommy is going to be a big key. Uh, I I would have to say right now, as I'm sitting here, I would go 27-24 uh, in favor of NDSU. So if you can get that line as high as what it is right now, I would take Montana State uh, on that. I think it's going to be closer than what the books think. Uh, the FCS lines are always curious. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when you see it as it gets closer to game time and the FCS fans, are like, oh my goodness, you're giving, you know, uh, this team 21 points. That's not even anywhere near that. The bookmakers will adjust because I don't think they, there's a lot of uh, regular season FCS betting. Uh, but I would take that. 
And uh, knowing, you know, NDSU having been there before, knowing the circumstances, uh, I just don't know if I can take a freshman in that spot. If anyone was to do that, I would say Tommy Malott is able to. He reminds me a lot of what Trey Lance did at North Dakota State his freshman year. So I'm very excited, very intrigued matchup. But uh, my my brain as a, as, you know, a college football analyst and as I sit here right now, I don't think I can bet against the Bison. I even said that picking JMU. I don't know if I can bet against the Bison at home, but I wanted to do it just for some fun. So this is what I'm going to be going for. Uh, and then we'll be breaking down the matchup, the the national championship game after uh, the holidays. Of course, January 8th is when we have that game. Cannot wait uh, to be in, well to to see this game in Frisco. It is at 10 a.m. Uh, sadly, it's on ESPN two. They didn't give them the the good window on ESPN. But hey, we can take it, FCS fans. And so uh, we have a lot of fun things for the offseason. Now that, uh, you know, we only have one game left of FCS. Definitely we'll be tracking some notable names of going in and out of the transfer portal. I know we had early signing period. Uh, I love recruiting, but I feel like a lot of these FCS teams, they get a lot of... uh, you know, when you're getting into one and two star players, it's really hard to assign that kid a star based on that because I think they're better uh, than what they 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 think they are, you know, or they, they know they are. And so recruiting rankings definitely have an effect in the FBS, not so much in the FCS. We'll look through some of the big time signings in a little bit, and then hopefully we can get back to getting the interviews. Uh, this year was really hard with the condensed off season. They need to get back, get ready for, for the, the season. We'll try to bring on some of our fan favorites uh, Coach Freund from from North Dakota Uh, we did have uh, Appalachian State on now they're not in the FCS but it's uh, by far the most downloaded episode love having uh, uh, Coach Clark on I believe that's who we had on was so long ago and and we didn't bring on Coach Hill we have a new uh, coach up in Cedar City Coach Peterson here at Dixie State and uh, excited we'll we'll, hopefully we can get a couple of these uh, a couple of these coaches on and really break down the FCS. This has been another edition of Get the Ball Rolling. I hope you guys have a wonderful, safe holidays. If you're traveling down to Frisco, make sure to, to enjoy it. I wish I could be there. Uh, I'll be watching it from St. George, but we'll be making it out uh, once when my Dixie State Trailblazers make it one day. Cannot wait. Anyway, until next time, uh, if you have any questions, send them in to us on, on Twitter. That's where we respond. Uh, we'll continue to do that. Seems like it will be a lot of fun. Continue to support this page. Continue to subscribe, rate, review. We love you guys thank you so much for everything and have a wonderful wonderful week let's keep this ball rolling